0: If you don't understand what's going on, you're liable to get crazy at this point.
1: Natural. Charming. Off the cuff, panther. Indeed. Indeed. Oh, yeah, I can't use my drop your drawers and mop the floors. Oh no. I'll be happy that this is now recording us. We'll want to retain them forever because when we're old, we'll want to remember. <laughs> remember our podcast, Jake?
0: <laughs> I used to podcast. Grandpa, nobody cares about podcasts anymore. <laughs> we're all watching virtual casts.
1: <laughs> On our virtual boy. I remember the first virtual boy. <laughs> <laughs> They were
0: the size of bricks. <laughs> you remember everything.
1: Forgotten more than you could possibly imagine. <laughs> <laughs> more than you'll ever know. Let me wet my, wet my choppers. <sighs> That's good. <laughs> That's great.
0: <laughs> great material. From <on> the stream. <laughs> All right,
1: <laughs> yeah. Now that now, now, now we're out there making fans, people love swishing and <laughs> lip smacking noises, right? <laughs> uh, okay, all right. Seem time? Is it time?
0: I think it's time.
1: All right, here we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very forty third episode of Rethink Everything. I'm Tyler Giannocci, and I'm here today with Jake Gable. Oh, thank you. Glad to be here. And we are here to rethink some of the things that happened during the 46th week of 2021. The week we got sick of those rickety ass bridges. So uh, we didn't know what to talk about this week because uh, nothing too major (laughs) happened. We're going to be honest with you. However, until uh, like today. (laughs) (laughs) What happened today? Oh, is that uh, the, uh, the results of the nightmare? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the infrastructure and jobs act, Mm -hmm. uh, not the way, not the way everyone would have liked it, but at least we'll get some better bridges out of the deal. There was that one bridge between here and Canada that went down on I five. It just like fell apart with, I think with cars on it. You remember that?
0: Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember
1: that. Um, you know, it was a number of years back, but that I think was one of the first ones that kind of brought to light this problem where oh, we haven't maintained anything for quite some time.
0: So that costs money.
1: You don't want to spend Uh, your money on stuff like that.
0: Why would why would we ever all want to chip in on taxes
1: to maintain roadways? (laughs) Do you know how many tanks, experimental tanks you could buy with that that we'd never put into use? Do you know how many experimental body armor projects that could fund that will never get put onto an American soldier? Come, Come on. on. Come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, roads we all use, healthcare, those things. <laughs> like the uh I don't know much about Kirsten Cinema other than that she held up this thing and then immediately claimed credit for it once it passed. <laughs> that's, that's adorable. Uh <laughs> what else are we uh, we we also exposed ourselves to a, a brand new piece of media this week uh maybe oh boy should we should we start there sure should we start sure. well i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna let you know about something that i insist that you start watching first you have to watch succession you have to watch succession you have to watch succession i I didn't Um, know
0: that this was something you wanted me to watch
1: (laughs) were you unaware of this this 50 times i told you (laughs) (sighs) yeah it's good it's good tv it's um uh yeah i I need you to get caught up so we can we can chit chat about that (laughs) uh but the piece of media that we didn't even know we were going to get to watch. It's true. to watch a little bit of the brand new season of Tiger King. <laughs> I, wow. got, I got them. I got my two, two episodes in.
0: Yeah. I got two episodes in as well. What What do you think? You know, I, I don't know. I had a lot of thoughts watching it and the one of the things I found myself is is just that I, I I'm i not getting I don't know. I'm not as into it like the first season you watch and it's a total train wreck. And, and this season also seems to surprisingly be basically as much of a train wreck. Mm-hmm. As the last I, I like, you know, I like this documentaries uh, there's there's been a lot of emphasis on style and and eye catching y- y- you know more more emphasis on on cinematography that that I've seen sort of being a recent trend in in documentaries as as you know true crime has has sort of exploded and and this and and I like seeing that but but this yeah I don't know uh, I I first I missed out on the first tiger king wave cuz I was mm. You know, everyone was was obsessed with it. And and I was I didn't have the capacity to watch it at the time. And so I caught up with it much later. But yeah, just just I shouldn't be surprised, but I still kind of was. And that's naive of me. Of just the amount of people that were eager to be a part of (laughs) the second season. Yeah, because no one looks good in this. It's terrible.
1: That like, guy with the ridiculous do rag and hat, the, the, the hat over his do rag and the leather jack, that guy is the worst. He's just the, what is Jeff.
0: Jeff Lowe? Jeff, oh, yeah, he, Jeff Lowe he is, is the worst. He seems like a really terrible I think he person. He thinks
1: that he looks cool.
0: Mm hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he certainly thinks he looks cool.
1: Do you feel dirty watching Tiger King? Yes. Tiger King, too. It's yeah. so
0: salacious. It's so salacious yeah. i i i did i did feel that way and w- it started to explore something the other is interesting that i think would have made a really compelling second season for me which is exploring sort of the ramifications of the first season
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: and and them exploring sort of like how carol baskins was perceived versus joe exotic and that a lot of people have a lot of sympathy for joe exotic Are You
1: talking about that bitch carol baskins
0: <laughs> yeah and that everyone hates carol baskins that bitch. <laughs> she may or may not have, you know. It's all circumstantial <laughs> evidence as to whether or not she killed her husband. It looks bad, but is, as far as I can tell, circumstantial. And she does try to do some conservation work, but at the same time, like the, these, I don't know. Everyone, everyone just looks bad, and and it also speaks to the power of documentary filmmaking and the ethics of documentary filmmaking, where yeah. I got really interested. And where I think the second season should have explored is sort of like what happens when you accidentally make this huge hit that changes everyone's life that yeah. was involved with it. I to talk about like, like, did it do good for the Tigers or did it did it yeah. do bad? Because because it seemed to make all these people more popular.
1: Right. The coming away from the first season of Tiger King uh, loving, loving Joe doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Does not make a lot of sense to me at all. Like, wait, I don't I don't understand what people like what what it is that makes people actually feel like they should like free Joe Exotic is this guy's a horrible monster. Like, he's funny, but he's a funny weirdo. But come on. Like,
0: yeah, I guess he's a funny weirdo. And he knows how to put on a show and and put on the dramatic air and and. P- play heavily into the sympathy card like that's the thing i was noticing with with the second season is is they kind of jump from like talking about how was he scapegoated or was he guilty and then they just jumped into this whole sob backstory
1: kind of but also but uh, i think his brother's pretty convincing in terms of like this kid's been uh, this guy's gonna been a manipulator and a, like a an attention whore since he was yeah. you know, a child yeah uh, the the second episode i I think is probably the most interesting it's just like could function as its own thing it 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 is just the examination of like okay what happened with uh with carol bassin's husband uh don lewis which which i guess
0: just just a day or two ago there's some report like supposedly someone from homeland security is claiming that Don Lewis is alive, but Carol Baskins herself is like, you know, that'd be great. But I don't think he's alive. It's like that would exonerate you if he was. Seems like he would be excited about that. I'm
1: super sure he's probably dead. He's probably <laughs> digested by now.
0: <laughs> it's not help, helping people.
1: <laughs> Carol, not you think stop you're talking. guilty? <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, very interesting. Just kind of seeing his world and and uh, kind of the world he was living in uh, at, at at the time of his I mean, disappearance. Yeah, yeah.
0: Again, it it's like he seems like a like her her, dis- you know, missing hus- ex husband um, seems like a really terrible person, mm-hmm. as all these big cat people are. Um it comes with the territory and and just was yeah up to a lot of you know shady stuff and so like This <laughs> is when they start a getting money. into the, like
1: uh spoiler alert spoiler alert people when they start talking about don Lewis's uh frequenting uh uh places to have sex with minors then you start going all right. Well, I guess if a cat ate him, that's fine. That's okay with me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I used to think maybe this was a nice guy. Not so much anymore. After after seeing the episode, like you sort of look at his daughters who, yeah, and you go like, oh, why, "Why didn't you mention any of this? Why you you kind of acted as though like this perfect man disappeared?"
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really interesting thinking back on that first season and and sort of you know uh, you, you kind of having this I don't know just like yeah you feel bad for these kids who trying to figure out what happened to their father or, or whatever. And then, <laughs> and then yeah with what happens and what they talk about in second season um you yeah it's it's, it's weird that they're how they present present that
1: their first learning about their dad's uh prostitution involvement via the documentary could be yeah it all just makes you feel dirty it that, does that was, that was melissa's, I, melissa's question was are we so are we are these people being paid because <laughs> we want are they paying these people to be in this documentary because we watched first season like did we are we doing this yeah, I think we might be doing it. That's yeah. how that, uh Did you ever see the movie or the the documentary? Don't don't fuck with cats or don't f with cats.
0: I did not.
1: Oh man. Yeah. Give that I a watch. Just,
0: yeah, I know that there is. Um, they show the horrific cat abuse that that is part of the whole story, and and everyone was like, "Yeah, this is a really good documentary," but at the same time, it's like, oh, I don't know, I don't want to watch John, that.
1: It's. <laughs> I'll t- <clears throat> I'm going to spoil the ending of it because it's, it has nothing to do with the plot. But at the end, like the main lady who's been interviewed the whole time, just kind of looks at the camera and she goes, "So don't you feel bad? You've watched this documentary. You're the one who's been doing this, and and like places the blame on the audience." It's just like, what? That's- what is this? <laughs> I didn't. You named the, the documentary in this way that made me want to watch it. I didn't put it on Netflix. <laughs> Am I supposed to skip it? What is this? Blame me. Next time, I'll steal your documentary. How about that? I can feel better. That's
0: that's that's interesting. It's (laughs) it's interesting. Did you explore your own like why you were making this and why you edited it the way you did?
1: I spent that whole time exploiting. I don't know. It was weird. The ethics of
0: documentary filmmaking are, are very interesting. I, yeah. I've been thinking about it a lot because because I've been learning about documentary filmmaking this past year and, and made a couple of of documentaries. And and it's very tricky. I mean, you've got so much power
1: in the editing room, especially. Um, did you did you watch. Uh, uh Did you watch my octopus teacher, octopus teacher?
0: No, that's another one that I know I need to watch.
1: Yeah, you should um, watch that. There's some interesting for me the the ethical I've been watching this. So it's not really just rough detail here. He you know he establishes that he has this great relationship with this octopus, right? Like that's the whole movie. Mm-hmm. And then like bad things will happen to the octopus. Like they'll be like, oh no. And then a shark came and I was so worried about my octopus, and then he's just like there filming. I was like, J could you just do something like do you're there you you no but there's no rule there's no rule you can't, i'm still gonna be okay with the documentary i'm not gonna feel like it was woefully inaccurate because you interfered somehow with the natural you're constantly interfering with the natural environment bro
0: this is where it gets really tricky especially with wildlife documentaries because documentary for the for one we sort of take for granted that documentary is presenting real life but As soon as you introduce a camera, you're you're at at the very core, sort of changing what would have been real life had you not been there. Yeah. And then you have to edit it down and make it digestible. And and so you're going to present. You're not really you're sort of this is how they talk about it. And there's a whole whole book named after this. You're representing reality. You're not Mm -hmm. showing reality. You're representing it in a certain way. And it, it it. It's you know, you have to strike a balance of of learning about people or these stories and being respectful. And how do you show that? How do you how do you manage that with wildlife? Typically what you want to do sort of what's considered ethical wildlife filmmaking is to try to interfere as little as possible. You know, this this came up with with uh, like March of Penguins or, or you know these, just these different documentaries that, that 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 you know you'll see a penguin get lost or or is sick or or whatever and they'll die and and people watching it, their natural reaction is to be like, well, why didn't you do something? Like you're right there, and it's like, yeah, well. We... What can, you know, Well, a lot of those situations is like, what can you do? And and also like, like you tell you, yeah, you are there with a camera. You're interfering in some capacity, even if you're trying to film from afar. You're still there. You're still disrupting. But you want to disrupt, you you know, people sort of the the ethical standard is, is to try to interfere as little as possible.
1: All that makes sense. I will. This guy is not off the hook because he's constantly handling the octopus and like, like he's already interfering with the whole, the whole thing is, is him interacting with.
0: So to me from the sounds of, I haven't seen it, but from the sounds of that is, is it's almost like that is there to create a sense of drama. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Which is, which is another thing of like, like, a weird Ish. thing you get into with the ethics of documentary filmmaking is is it's really easy to be filming something and wanting something to go wrong. Get caught up in, yeah. It, it get caught up in you want some sort of drama, you want the you want the story, you know, you want the story to be engaging and you don't ha- like like you don't have to do it that way. I I worked on a documentary that was about the history of the discovery of the neutrino and talking about um, you know, particle physics and this this interesting Cold War history that was wrapped up with with the discovery of of the neutrino. And and that's an interesting story. You talk to some scientists. To me, you know, it was it was an interesting project to be a part of. And And you don't have to create this like drama or whatever. It's 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 telling the story that's already happened. But documenting things that are happening in the moment, it's tricky. It's tricky, like documentaries. They're intrusive by nature. It's it's a weird, it's a really powerful storytelling medium and really interesting art form, but it's an ethical minefield in some <laughs> in some regards.
1: Yeah, yeah. It uh, it 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 seems like one of the, one of those things where, like, you really do for the most part. Like, if something takes off, you you change. Uh, you definitely changed the lives of the people that are are involved yeah. with the thing.
0: And that's what again that's what I would have wanted from a second season of Tiger King frankly is is sort of a, like a reflexive documentary where it's more about uh you know how the first season changed things mm-hmm. and and whether it was good or bad to to do but that's that's my own that's what I would have thought an interesting second season would be but but of course everyone loves the drama Netflix yeah. loves the drama. Maybe, it was the the
1: quarantine show. Maybe by the time we get to episode five, they'll build.
0: That's the they'll other thing is I haven't seen the more. whole thing.
1: Yeah. Uh, but I
0: good. think my parents have already watched all of the second season. I, I think it's all just another, you know, just trying to document more this train. Wreck. <laughs> Got
1: it. Got it. Uh, well with that, should we, should we move into, uh, talk about some video games should we talk about some video games yeah let's do it so uh, we can't talk in too much detail about this game I can get some some basic first impressions of this game Halo Infinite surprise released for the 20th anniversary of Halo Combat Evolved that's pretty cool you don't really see a lot of surprise early (laughs) releases of things
0: no you do Um, not
1: (laughs) you see a a lot of surprise delays uh, (laughs) into next year typically yeah. um but uh we did we did play one of the betas and uh feels pretty halo-y feels pretty halo um i i think i've had fun playing it but but one strong reaction i do have is that um it's leaning too far towards the like realism and too far away from if you like the remember the original halo and halo 2 like the aliens are goofy there's some goofiness to that world it's kind of like arcadey and silly and like you know i think when they do these things where they try to make it all so much more serious Mm -hmm. then it's like eh, it doesn't make it unique it stops being unique like what was unique was how silly those little grunts were like screaming run away <laughs> yeah, in, and, and calling in you a demon, and, like they'd all yeah. refer to you as a demon because the because of their religion and like, oh man, I you know I hope the story has some, of, but it really does not look like it's leaning into the humor.
0: Yeah, it'll be it'll, it'll be interesting to see. I guess there were there were those sort of more, <laughs> yeah, it was more colorful, and yeah, mm-hmm. I guess they're they're leading like it looks more like. You know your your battlefields or Call of Duties or mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. your first person shooters like any other first person shooter.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm hopeful that the story will maybe have some some more humor in it, but we'll see. We'll, we'll yeah. it remains to be do, seen.
0: Is there going to be a campaign co op? Do you know?
1: Yes, but it's not coming till next year, and oh. it got delayed further into next year. <laughs> That's those, the video
0: game industry that, that yeah, I'm uh, familiar with. of those
1: surprises. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, we've played a bit of it, um, had some fun. So far, I will tell you my my impression of the Battle Pass is that um pretty lame to get individual shoulder pieces per level, and they're just <laughs> boring shoulder pieces. I don't want that. What are you doing? I, I was...
0: I was saying this the other day, but unfortunately, Fortnite has very much spoiled us on the Battle Pass. Oh, yeah. Like giving you just the most fun and ridiculous things. I need
1: my delicious shinies.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So uh, a game with a... I dove in last night to another game we play that has a great, great new Battle Pass system added. It's Deep Rock Galactic. Did I hear a rock and stone? Rock
0: and stone. Rock and stone, brother.
1: Rock and stone to the bone. For Carl. <laughs> so for anyone that's never played uh, Deep Rock Galactic, <laughs> it's it's a wonderful, wonderful game. For anyone that recently tried to get into Back for Blood, which is like a, uh, like most people know, Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2. Back for Blood is like the new version of that. Back for Blood is horrible and punishing, and doesn't <laughs> want you to have any fun. Deep Rock Galactic is is like the opposite. It's like this uh, semi left for dead, but you're all, like you're you're also harvesting resources because of course because you're a dwarf. Uh, oh yeah, sorry. Danger, darkness, and dwarves is the tagline for Deep Rock Galactic. It has this fantastic sense of humor, lots of color. Uh, it, it's uh, every level is dynamically generated so it it always plays different um and uh your right thumbstick yells rock and stone rock and stone so you could just do that all the time (laughs) um
0: knowing your friends with it
1: it's great but uh yeah as a as a game it's one with we we play um semi-regular basis you know we come and go from it uh but this this is an exciting new addition to it Class based, class based uh, mining slash fighting game with lots of lore that just really seems uh, joyfully created by by the people who make it. Um, <laughs> I actually played a little bit of it last night uh, with the fact that Forza Horizon Five and Halo Infinite were available to me. <laughs> I went, I went and dove into Deep Rock Galactic.
0: It's a great game. I I like it's got a little bit of everything. It's got some role playing elements in the the fact that you're sort of working. You can work on a character like Mm -hmm. if you choose a class, you can. Well, if you play enough, you can work on all the classes and and (laughs) upgrade all all, um, you know, all four classes but but uh you know i i've got my one class i choose when we play and and sort of been working on it and you you get upgrades and and some new cosmetics and and then yeah there's mining and and resource gathering that's part of the mission and then you've got to fight off hordes of horrible spiders on the music slaps (laughs) co-op and and yeah taking on different different roles um you know i uh, i love needing to put up platforms for someone to get up somewhere it's yeah it's 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 good fun it's good fun and it'll it'll bring it brings that element that that was what was fun about left for dead of the craziness of a horde hitting you at any moment you don't know Mm -hmm. when it makes chaos but but not where it's (laughs) back for blood decided it's just gonna be punishing all the time every moment (laughs) there's horrible zombies and (laughs) and zombies you can't kill or find and and you're just <laughs> going to be miserable it wasn't it's not a chaos generator it's just it's just pain a pain generator pain, <laughs> pain what if simulator. it was always
1: zombies that'd be more <laughs> fun right uh yeah yeah but uh first impressions of deep rock expansion are good Oh yeah, you can well, maybe you're I don't know if you can see on the screen right now they're going through some of the battle pass cosmetics. It's cool mm-hmm. because the battle pass um each level will come with like a uh, a cosmetic but also some currency that you can then use to spend on this cosmetic tree so you kind of choose some of the stuff that you're getting as you're getting as you're going through. It's really nice Very nice, and it's free. it's a free battle pass. That's take, great. Learn, learn something, Halo. Don't make me pay ten dollars <laughs> and then slowly, slowly unlock shoulder pads. It, it has to be. If you're paying for it, you better
0: be bringing bringing some exciting items that you're unlocking. Yeah,
1: yeah. Ooh, or ooh, just make like it a, free a and... beige color scheme. <laughs> mm, exciting. That's an exciting beige. That's available to me now. <laughs>
0: Oh, a slightly different visor that's
1: oh, mostly yeah. the same. <laughs> Glorious. But just
0: a little bit different.
1: All right. Well, uh, with the, I think that's a pretty good, you know, we've hopefully sold people on Deep Rock. Everyone go play it. It's doesn't cost that much. And it's uh, if you're into co-op games, there's a great community. Um, generally very welcoming compared to most other communities. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's It's good times. Get it. Get out there and it get it. Fun. So uh, with that, I'm going to pop into some. I'm going to bring us back around to the infrastructure, the infrastructure deal. And I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to hit you with some fun facts. Are you ready?
0: Ooh, I'm ready.
1: OK, Let's do it. All right. We're going to talk about the oldest bridge in the world. Yes. The oldest bridge in the world is a single arc slab stone bridge that spans over the Mele River in Izmir, Turkey previously known as Smyrna. The simple bridge has been in continuous use since it was built in 850 BC. Wow. Insanity. This 3,000-year-old uh, uh, bridge is the oldest man-made structure in use, as well as the oldest standing bridge in the world. The bridge was u- made using stones, and it was crossed by St. Paul and Homer. You can walk across a bridge Homer walked across, which is kind of mind-blowing. And cool. That And
0: is really mind-blowing. And <laughs> funny that <laughs> this bridge is still in use <laughs> and we have bridges collapsing.
1: <laughs> yeah, they, they did um, their work better. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's the world's oldest bridge. Now I've got another bridge to talk to you about. And that's the longest bridge. All right. Guess how guess guess how many miles? <laughs> Two. All right. Let's see how wrong you are, Jake. <laughs> the world's longest bridge is in Danyang Kunshan Grand is the oh sorry, is the Danyang Kunshan Grand Bridge in China part of the Beijing-Shanghai high-speed railway? Okay. Uh, the bridge which opened in June of 2011 spans 102.4 miles.
0: I was just off by a hundred miles.
1: Just a hundred. Just a hundred. Tiny little hundred miles. Holy
0: smokes! Uh,
1: you could drive for an hour on one bridge. That's crazy. I don't think that? I could hold my breath that long. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that's tunnels. I don't think I could hold my feet up that long. Uh, uh, it it was built in just four years, employed ten thousand workers, and cost about eight point five million dollars. It crosses low rice paddies, uh, part of the Yangtze River Delta, and just a few miles of the bridge actually cross open water. So it's mostly one of those like swamp bridges. Okay, it's just to like travel over uh, marshland that's not mm-hmm. stable enough to to hold a road. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. That's,
0: yeah, that is very cool. You know, I, I wanted to go with uh, with a low guess because it would be no fun to overguess it. But I went really low.
1: Yeah, thanks for not making it. Did not have to worry lame. about that.
0: <laughs> I would not have guessed a hundred miles. That's crazy.
1: My next and my, my my last my final bridge is uh, the shortest international bridge. So <laughs> the right. shortest international bridge. Uh, Connects, uh, as you can see, uh, anybody watching can see, it connects a homeowner in Canada to his backyard in New York. (laughs) So, some fella owns two little islands in the middle of a river, and on one of the islands is his house, and on the other island is just like a little, a little getaway, a little getaway (laughs) that's technically in the United States. So it's only. 32 feet long. Um it uh it so the boundary agreement that was drafted between Canada and the US declares that no island can be split into two territories. So every island has to either be Canadian or US. Uh two-thirds out of the islands in the bunch uh or of of the thousand islands belong to Canada. One third belongs to the United States, but we got the bigger ones. So oh that's not surprising we're famously great negotiators <laughs>
0: <laughs> i don't they're care very that, insistent. that we have more or if they're better they just got to be bigger <laughs> that's all we care about
1: uh but yeah the this is just now, shortest bridge it's kind of cute
0: i feel like i would want there to be um someone posted at that bridge to check uh, his passport. Each time he needs to go <laughs> yeah. to his
1: backyard, sir, are you bringing anything <laughs> I into <admit>. this country?
0: <laughs> I'm gonna need you to pull over, sir. We need to check your car.
1: Make it a toll bridge. <laughs> <laughs> love it. The they're sneaking. They're sneaking into the U.S. <laughs> if you have this guy's tiny little bridge, we gotta stop them. Well, them. Them's, uh, them's my bridge facts. That's nice. all I know about bridges. That's <laughs> all you know about bridges. That's it. They should put Extending. me on. They should put me on uh, whatever committee Biden's got that decides which bridges, how to make bridges, <laughs> where to put them. I don't. I don't feel like China should get to have the longest bridge. We could. We could have a long bridge.
0: We could have a long bridge. I well, say we I go and bridge. take the world's oldest bridge. It seems to be working great. We just take that <laughs> yeah,
1: one, correct. move Snag it to the US. US. <laughs> Put it somewhere where we've got unreliable rickety bridges.
0: (laughs) Dang rickety ass bridges. (laughs) My God. All right. Well, well, uh, yeah. While we're, while we were talking about bridges, I wanted to think about, think about bridges and infrastructure, um, as it relates to animals, because I like to shoehorn animals (laughs) into,
1: into
0: any conversation. So, um, Yeah, wildlife sometimes need bridges as well. Not just humans, not just our cars. Um, This has been part of of work in trying to think about how like cities and roadways, like anytime humans build stuff, we're sort of fracturing the land uh, that wildlife live in. And highways are 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 sort of notorious in in um, just totally splitting up habitats and and Ranges that animals live in, um, and they're they're also it's also um, sort of a unforeseen cost as far as like there are all these accidents and traffic accidents that that cost wildlife life threaten uh, you know endangered species. And humans sometimes die. We sometimes die in the car collisions, and and there's all sorts of expenses associated with that. And so mm-hmm. one of the things that people tried have tried to come up with to to help solve that problem is creating these as as we see on the screen here little little like land bridges and sometimes they're tunnels that wildlife can cross safely cross highways um without being hit hit by cars or trains um and they and they seem to work pretty well and I didn't know this I've never actually seen one as far as I know um I've known about them, but I guess one was just completed in twenty eighteen um over i ninety um at Snoqualmie pass i haven't driven and it's, it's and it's been in it's use cool. and and it's working it's cool. that's yeah. cool i it's, haven't it's awesome. i haven't driven on i90 in, in years so so i haven't i haven't seen it but we got one in in washington now being being used um so it's cool that they that they're doing that and another another thing i learned about another way you know we have been trying to get creative and thinking about how to how to connect how to lessen the disruption on 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 wildlife is is uh creating in oslo they've created sort of what they call a bee highway which is throughout the city they've placed beehives and flower beds strategically in parks and on rooftops so that bees can travel through the city and have places to rest and and gather resources and pollinate um without being cut off or isolated, which is often what happens, happens in cities. And, and London has actually been trying to do this as well. Um, but it's interesting in London, there, there's been some controversy because they've created the, the conservation effort has always been focused on honeybees. Everyone's like, save the honeybees. But there's lots of other pollinators that need attention. And when you and so it becomes trendy to install beehives, honeybee beehives, um, it's very trendy for like businesses to try to do this and whatnot. But if you put too many honeybees in an area, then they start choking out all the other pollinators and, and it uh, can actually cause more problems than it, than it helps. You
1: know, yeah. If I was a conservative, I'd jump all over that. You see, <laughs> should have done nothing in the first place. Should
0: have done nothing at all. Should have done now, nothing. The key, the key <laughs> is to try to promote diverse diverse set of pollinators.
1: But uh, that's really cool. That's that, that's really cool. I remember, do you, I, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but uh, I I feel like it's 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 too interesting not to. Do you remember when you started seeing just dead bees on the ground?
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, I I do feel like that was that was something that that I started noticing
1: more of. For me, it was my freshman year at college, which would have been like uh what, your sophomore high school yeah 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 but yeah i just started seeing them all over the place just dead on the ground and then like then you start reading about it over the years that came after that and it's crazy to think that it's mm-hmm. now been going on 20 years of
0: it's been yeah it's been a long time
1: the, that great bee die off um yeah but cool to see solutions like this
0: yeah yeah i love the creative solutions uh, anything focused on because like a lot of for a long time, wildlife conservation has been about trying to protect what's left um, in terms of like habitat, which is important. But mm-hmm. but more and more, there's there's more of a focus on these creative sort of how do we we have to coexist? It's the yeah. only way we're going to do this. So we have to come up with these creative solutions to 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 not only preserve what's what's left, but but better coexist as well. Um because it's not sustainable just to section wildlife off into these tiny sections and, and, you know, expect them to do all right. But, uh, but yeah, humans aren't the only ones who have to worry about, um, you know, the infrastructure and and make sure infrastructure is in place. I I learned about ants have to think about, have to think about this as well have evolved their behavior to, to sort of (laughs) have, have the smartest pathways in place when, If they're arboreal or tree climbing ants, they're climbing on branches and trees and they create these trail networks, um, leaving pheromones. But if you're climbing through trees and on branches, there will be bridges between between trees and and where you're foraging between food sources that can be disrupted by wind or rain, you know, very easily broken pathways and bridges for them. Uh, and the way that they try one way that they try to minimize the need to make decisions in terms of oh this path has been broken that i've been following now i've got to figure out where to go is to not choose the most direct path from resource to resource but choose the path with the fewest amount of of potential breakpoints or bridges mm-hmm. between trees and and so they've Researchers have created this like algorithm that tries to model this decision making that that ants do in in figuring out their paths. I love ants yeah ants ants are ants are really fascinating ants and 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 bees um particularly around their like very social structures, like how you sociality and and these like massive colonies and and social structures evolve is is a really interesting. And challenging area of evolutionary biology
1: I, I, I when i was a kid i was always just super fascinated by the anthills in my backyard like the, the the fact that they'd be able to create a little highway that was just raw dirt where nothing grew and they just traveled was was totally mind-blowing to me like that you could see their little roads the way you see our roads um and uh, we were, when i was a kid we we used to um uh devastate the anthill <laughs> from time to time i ne- just so everybody's aware i never i never went beyond insect abuse however there was time <laughs> where where uh i was a callous child who was totally into the idea of just effing with the anthill and um i remember at a certain point they started dropping down off of the tree they go up and go out onto the branches and then drop down onto us uh me and my friends as we were messing with the colony i don't know if i had to have been deliberate right like
0: possibly they That's just really jump off the tree
1: for no reason yeah um it felt or as you're, or you're ruining their whole
0: tech. like pheromone <laughs> pathways and stuff enough but <laughs> they're just they're just making uh, crazy confused. decisions.
1: It also always fascinated me that you could you, uh, you could take other insects and put them into the anthill and they would just uh, disappear. <laughs> <laughs> Those ants will eat everything. You could put a hot dog in there from Zaki Farms and, and that would Zaki, stay.
0: Zaki Farms. They would not just eat that dogs. Zaki Farms <laughs> hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't even know. if. I mean, we ate them. I don't think we should have. Um, yeah and ants didn't even want them
1: Ah, The sweet taste of no taste at all
0: (laughs) they stayed gray they started gray you'd cook them and they'd still be gray amazing terrible (laughs) Terrible. (laughs) yeah and so um this led me to 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 another topic. I don't, you you have you ta- you haven't talked about slime molds on on the podcast, have you? Because you had you had mentioned. Huh? Slime I don't think mold. we have.
1: I think slime molds are fascinating.
0: Slime molds are fascinating. I learned some very interesting things about slime molds. So the slime molds that have sort of become popular on on the Internet, I think, belong to the genus Physarum. And and, the, and then slime molds are, are really weird organisms. They're like these colony, these almost single cell colonies, like they can create really big. Intricate networks of tendrils um, on logs and and just in moist forest areas, and they have multiple nuclei, which which contain DNA. Usually, when we think of a cell, it's it's a cell with a cell wall, and inside there'll be one you know a single nucleus that contains most of the DNA, and that's sort of like the typical cell you think of. But slime molds have. Uh, just a lot of those nuclei but no defined cell walls between them so it's kind of one big cell but but not in the way that we normally think about it um so they're really weird organisms they thought they were fungi for a long time but turns out that that's not really true they're kind of something different But they gained um, popularity on the internet because researchers found that they could solve mazes, and and by that sort of, they could find the most efficient pathway through a maze. And the way that they do this is, you would have some sort of medium for them to grow on, um, and you'd put this maze in it, and you put like a food source at the center or at the other end of the maze. The slime mold will grow over the whole thing and then retract sort of as a single organism, grow over the whole plate and then retract to the most efficient path through the maze. Uh, it just has this way of knowing the most efficient path between resources, um, which is which is an active area of research, because that's really fascinating. How do they how do they figure that out? Um and so they started doing this this really these these really interesting experiments where they started mapping areas and cities sort of on these on these growth plates, recreating like maps of Tokyo or the United States and seeing how how slime molds would connect cities. So they put they put nutrients where like cities would go and then let the slime mold grow and see sort of the the maps that they would create, trying to create the most efficient route between resources. And they found that like mapping Tokyo and surrounding cities, the the slime molds recreated um, something similar to what Tokyo's uh, and Japan's transit system is, which they're known to have a very efficient uh, transit system. Mm -hmm. And when they when they did this with with trying to like recreate a U.S. map, according to the slime molds, uh, the U.S. is one of the most inefficient as far as (laughs) our our. Transit system and, <laughs> and connections between cities, which isn't which isn't very surprising. So, so there's there's maybe even like we could learn things from from slime
1: molds. Yeah, but do the slime molds know about freedom? <laughs> so, I mean, checkmate.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you got the slime molds.
1: I have a really specific question for you uh, that maybe probably. Might not know the answer to, but when they're doing these mazes, do we have any idea whether it were whether they're smelling the nutrient? Um, hmm. I mean, how else are they? how? I guess they're surely not seeing anything. So. No, they're not
0: seeing it, but they. Yeah. I mean, it depends. If you put, I imagine if you put if you put a slime mold onto a plate and there's a, a food source you put somewhere on the plate. But you start them off just on their own. They're going to grow and expand just to look stuff. for okay. nutrients. And so that's, so that's what I imagine contact. it is. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Because it, it seems like they take just like sort of a shotgun approach. They mm-hmm. just try to cover the whole area and then they retract to, oh, here's our nutrients. Let's let's gotcha like connect nutrient sources of nutrients or or you know whatever it is
1: okay okay so it is it is most likely by touch yeah i was just curious Um, if what kind of sensory ability they would have
0: yeah i think i is it's interesting i i they probably don't have well they don't have sight the way that we have sight or or probably olfaction the the way that that we think of of those sorts of senses but i i i guess it is it's probably something i don't know for sure this this is something for the experts who study slime molds which i i have not um kind of like their little tendrils that they grow like fingers reaching out and Mm -hmm. and and then they have some sort of when they come in contact with something some sort of sort of inner uh sensory system to know oh this is you know this is nutrients
1: let's Mm -hmm. gather this So interesting. I love, I love it. I love it. Uh, uh, I've seen people that like have their own like slime mold at this point. I think like, I kind of want to do (laughs) that. That would be fun.
0: See what sort of map it creates.
1: That's slime mold recreating the the cities. I remember that experiment popping up and I was like, Oh man, this is awesome. I love, (laughs) I love this kind of, when we find like examples of nature, like doing things that we wouldn't expect it to do, but like that we, we think we're so cool that we figured out. And then like, you see nature has been doing it for like a hundred thousand mm-hmm. years or whatever.
0: why so why, like why I love evolutionary biology is just, we we think we're, we're so clever, but, but man, organisms, simple or like slime molds and, and organisms you never think about have, have come up with these really like, like my, my, philosophy on it is everything that exists on the planet today has has earned its spot there and and is the product of of billions of years of evolution and and you know we we think and can communicate and have very impressive talents ourselves but all organisms are better at things than we we are and and it's amazing to find out sort of these these just amazing abilities of things you never you never think about slime molds be, being able to create like being able to solve mazes better than humans or or create better maps and more efficient systems it's really cool
1: all right well uh with that that has been our show thank you very much to a co-host jake gable thank you all for listening and check back check back next week for our very 44th episode <laughs> all right we did it yay Nice.
0: If I were gonna, you know, if somebody wanted to kill you, then they would put like
1: sardine oil all over you, something that the cat wants to eat.